Good morning. Good morning. It is bright and early. It is bright and early, and we are here to do the introduction for our guest. Would you like to tell us? Our guest, I mean, this is the, the third installation of our three-part series, and we've been sharing with people along the way that we had this secret weapon, our, our secret file who just gives us so much information and coaching and just is an expert, an, an expert in the area of human resources and people connection. And we, we, we got her. She's our, our first in-person guest, right? That we, we got her to be a part of a conversation. And it's a really good conversation. Man, you just want to write it all down when, when she starts talking. It's very good, very informative. And Leanne, if you're listening, you did a great job. We love so, you. Can't, yes, can't wait for you to hear this. And we hope you enjoy. She is, it's, it's not like, it's not like with me when she, when we need a countdown, she's ready. She's, she's yeah. on it. That's how she is. We're so excited because we have a very special guest today. We've been talking about her. Um, I'm going to try to do the introduction justice, and then we will hear from her about her amazing career. So we have today with us Leanne File, who is our current HR director at our organization. Hi, Leanne. Hi, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) We're so excited. We've learned so much from you. We are super excited to be able to share you and all of your wisdom with this little community that we're creating because you're just amazing. I'm flattered. I'm very flattered and I'm honored to be here. And you're a natural with those headphones. You look very cute. It's a really good look for me, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So we were sharing with you, Leanne, before we hit record, just the prior two episodes and how we're really working with everyone on um, performance management and talking about some things that might be a little bit more difficult. One of the things we shared was just a lot of new leaders or sometimes leaders in general, they don't know that they even need a chronology to have documentation. So we've kind of walked everyone through that. And I know you just have so much experience. So would you want to share with us a little bit about your career first? Sure. So I have been involved in the field of human resources for a great many years, pushing 30. Um, Most of that time working for different organizations, usually somewhat on the larger size. Um, I had a consulting practice for about 15 years when my children were smaller, which allowed me a great deal of flexibility. not not a full full time gig at all. Smaller organizations, typically um, special projects, developing a policy and procedure manual, developing an employee handbook, or maybe going into an organization and conducting an investigation, things oh, wow. like that. But it the beauty of being the ability to being able to do that was that it kept me current in the field, and. You need to recall, I'm not going to give you my age, but when I started working in human resources, it was pen and paper. It was a telephone. Those were the business tools we used. Um, Everything was a paper file. Do you even know what a Rolodex is? That was, that was, I mean, we relied on Rolodexes. (laughs) Um, That was it. And the telephone. 
um, snail mail. There, that was even pre-fax machines, let alone the world we live in today with all the technology. So for me personally, my world, my business world has changed just monumentally from when I started many, many years ago. So I actually started in retail, um, worked for a company called Carter Holly Hale. Neiman Marcus is probably the name we, we would recognize today. I worked for a company called the Broadway. So for those of you that grew up in Southern California, you remember the Broadway department store chain. I totally. was there for, for a couple years. Um, and um, I started in a management training program out of school. I went to UC Davis um, and um, kind of fell into the world of personnel, it was called back in the day. And then it evolved into human resources. And now it's people services, you know, people management. It, 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 it's ever changing. But um, basically, we've done the same thing for a great many years. Um, I got um, an opportunity to join a healthcare company. Um, and I've really been in the field of healthcare, primarily hospitals, for the vast majority of my career. Um, so, and that's pretty much where I've stayed and, and I, and I enjoy it. I, I, I love the mission that most healthcare organizations um, stand for. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I've been a human resources manager slash director. I've been a vice president back in, back in the day um, for a great, great number of years, but I did start out doing scheduling we called it scheduling in a department store and then hospital scheduling almost like a ward clerk if you will to use an old terminology or unit clerk we use we the hospitals use um and i've just i i've been in the field for a really long time i i enjoy it i'm gonna stay working until they boot me out or i just I, it's lost it's you know glamour for me but um you know it's just it's it's kind of in my blood a little bit um and it's changed a lot but it hasn't changed very much at the same time. I love it. I want to put a little cord between you and me and I just want to download all that wisdom. Right, exactly, exactly. You know what, Leanne, can you think of something that you learned from when you were in, in the very beginning doing that scheduling in, in the hospital as, as that ward, um, I think, you know, that piece that you were doing that kind of, carried over into, or you took with you into your approach with human resources? I think probably what, what sticks in my mind is that life is fluid and life goes on, but problems don't disappear and go away when you don't address them. And I remember being in a unit, um, you know, a hospital unit when you're dealing with life and death, literally, but yet your job is to fill this cancellation because a nurse just called out ill and you're dealing with these huge, huge, horribly traumatic life events, but yet you've got to stay the course. You've got to be able to do your job in the midst of a huge amount of trauma. And you learn skills from that. I learned that, um, you have to be able to deal with pressure. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to keep your wits about you. And I think what I learned too, and I, and I think about it every day and I, and I always can improve is you have to be kind and compassionate when you're delivering news that is horrible news to deliver in whatever capacity you're in or industry. 
Um, and by ignoring that human touch and that side and being kind to people that maybe you're so irritated and angry with because of something they've done in their job that you don't even want to look at them, you've, you've, got to, you've got to do that. You've got to treat people appropriately in the world we live in, even when you're delivering absolutely horrible, horrible news. Gosh, I love that. Those are the, everything you just said is like words to live by. And, and having the, the honor of having you in, in our lives, we see you live that every day. So, you know, not to get too lovey-dovey and kumbaya and all of this, Thank but you. think the thing that I loved that you said too, is you, that the problem doesn't go away, right? You can't, you gotta, you gotta address it. You gotta make it happen, but with kindness and compassion and empathy. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. So shall we get into it? We're hoping that you'll be open to sharing with the community three things that you want all leaders to know, consider, do. Floor is yours. You've been waiting years to say this. I want every leader to know this about performance management. I would say that being honest is is critically important. You you as a leader as a manager, as a supervisor, whatever level the individual happens to be assigned to at the moment, but you're in a position where you have a direct report and you're dealing with a performance issue or concern, you cannot sugarcoat it. You cannot. You have to be direct. Tell the truth and say it like it is. Say it in a kind manner. Be appropriate and calm and respectful, but you've got to deliver the concern. And I think it's really difficult for most of us to do that because who wants to deliver bad news? No one likes to deliver bad news. So I think as a leader, sometimes um, it's, it's, you've got to do it. You've got to say what needs to be said. And so often we work with people um, at a senior leadership level, even that just, they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deliver that bad news. Often it's delegated to someone else. And that creates a lot of confusion for an employee when they're hearing it from someone who's sort of the messenger, but it's, but is not the source. So I think that, um, you know, in terms of my two cents worth with a strong leader being direct and transparent with staff. I think that it's also really important for a leader to be approachable. And I think that a leader that is approachable has a much better understanding of what their associates and employees in an organization are dealing with. You know, it's it's easy easier to get your boots on the ground when you're not afraid to talk to your staff. And I've worked for leaders that they rarely showed their face except at a big, huge gathering or meeting. They didn't connect with people. They didn't make the rounds and say, hi, how are you? How's your day going? I think it's really important. And I think that that's that human connection. And I think it builds trust in an organization when, when your leaders are approachable. Um, I also think, oh gosh, I could go on and on about leaders. Um, I think <laughs> I think that the ability for a leader to hear a concern and take an action based on that concern is critically important. Um, obviously, it's got to be a concern that's legitimate and that's that's 
it, you know, the impact on a change is going to be profound. So I, I suppose I'd, I'd have to preface it by saying you have to know what 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 should you address and what shouldn't you address. And I think with the leader, you've got to be able to move out of the course you think you're you think you're on sometimes because something is taking a trajectory out in left field and maybe it shouldn't be doing that and you've got to pull it back. Um, so that flexibility in leadership, rather than sticking exactly to the strategic plan, and here's our five-year goal, it doesn't always work. Yeah. It doesn't so always true. work. So direct, approachable. Maybe able flexible, to... flexible maybe, or flexible, but somehow maintaining a connection with the subordinates, that the people that often are doing the work, the line staff. You know, mm -hmm. it's one thing to stay connected to your manager that reports to you and the supervisor that reports to the manager. But what about the people, the employees out in the field that are doing the work? Um, that's a ding, 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 because we did an episode about what about the fry guy? We were talking yes. about strategic planning, and it's like you need to talk to the people that know the proverbial how hot does the oil need to be how many fries can go in the fryer you need to talk to the people that are actually boots on the ground and understand what the trials and tribulations are on a daily basis you do and i think that you know i think that when you got the the president of a company walk by or a vice president or pick pick, pick the title it's it's nerve-wracking everybody's like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh mr smith he's here he's here he's on the unit he's 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 here everybody goes into panic mode but the the it's unbelievable to me two two weeks later people are still talking about it i i met i met the yeah. president of the company he came by and said hi he asked me how i was doing he asked me if i could change something what would it be it's so important it's so important they feel seen right they feel heard yes. they feel like Yes. Like they're connected to it rather than just pulling right. it along. I love that. That's and so I good. Think, I think so often, um, you know, when you're when you're when you're in a staff role and you're doing your job, it can be isolating. Yeah. You know, it can be isolating because to some degree you feel like you need permission to do things out out of your scope of your job, out of your job description. You know, I'm wasting time if I go over and talk to her, but she looks a little bit sad. I wonder if I should ask how she's doing. You know, there's a little bit of a, should I do that? Is that appropriate for me to do? My boss didn't say I could leave my workstation. Can I, you know? It's true. So Leanne, you said that you have a lot to say about leaders. So in this vast career that you've had, I feel like a lot of leaders probably came to you with performance concerns. And are they typically looking to that human resources department for the solution? Or, or what do you find the most irritating? about when like leaders are coming to you? I think, I think that some leaders are not clear on the role of a human resources department or human, a human resources staff member. I think that some leaders come in, and I'll just give you some specific examples. In my, in my past would come to me with wanting me to fix it. Here's what this person is doing. They're making me crazy they're causing too much work they're they're taking up too much of my time productivity's down help fix it D do something do something make it go away fix it and that's not the role of human resources we're here to guide to provide you know someone maybe a resource to uh, certainly a resource but also 
almost it's almost like an interactive dialogue. We're here as a sounding board. We're going to have a discussion. What is the issue? What is the core problem? Or what are the four? What is what is really going on? Let's just you've got to dive down. And then you to come up with a solution. And I think that sometimes leader just they just want it fixed. I don't care what you do, take care of it. Right. Um, and it, it's difficult because when you're in charge, people when 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 your leader says jump, we're gonna say how high. Right. Even when it's not appropriate for us to jump. So I think I think in 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 the world that I live in. That ability to be able to, for lack of a better term, push back to someone who's at a much higher level than perhaps I am is, is invaluable. Um, I have, I like to think I've gotten pretty good at doing that. Some people are just unreasonable, you know, and we just have to own that and know that, that they're not going to want to hear anything else. But I think that really strong, effective leaders listen. They listen and they try to take action and they try to really hear and understand what someone is saying to them. And I think sometimes, especially in middle management, we give up before we try. We make an, you know, we make an assumption sometimes that so-and-so person isn't going to listen to me anyway. So why should I even go to her? When sometimes all they want to do is just hear our opinion. And I think we also forget and this has been true at every company I've ever worked at. It's lonely at the top. It really is lonely at the top. And I think sometimes we need to remember that about our leaders. They don't want to be isolated. They wish they felt comfortable wandering around the building and talking to people. Some of them do. I think really effective leaders do. I think they're they're making the rounds, maybe not all the time, but they're enough so that people are not shocked to see them in a, in a certain building or at a certain location. We're just agreeing. We're just like nodding yeah, our heads. I'm just we like, are. I'm so, I know it's like captive audience. We are. <laughs> we are. And I, I, was, I mean, agree with I was everything. thinking about what you said, Leanne, and it's, it's so true that, you know, that coaching piece that that HR comes in and and coaches and empowers that person to really make the plan, right? Whether it is to put more resources into the individual or to change the relationship somehow. But using your your partnering with your HR representative to really make sure that you're planning something that addresses the issues. But being mm -hmm. honest, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Performance management it's, it's, there's, there, every single person is unique. So every single situation is unique. And there's not a magic band aid that fits. It's like, well, what do I do first? How do I start? It's like, you explain the situation to me so I can assist you. Because it's not, there's <laughs> yeah. not a pat answer. It would <laughs> for, be nice if there would be nice. Because you're yeah. a good HR director. So right? you, so when we're speaking with Leanne for the community mm -hmm. to understand, she's taking notes and listening and jotting and then asks a question. So you have a full understanding, but I've heard stories from other organizations. Not everybody's doing that. And I've had other HR directors here that did not do that. So that is unique to you. I know. Thank you. It's, you're it's hard. I've learned the hard way because... And, and and keep in mind, I'm I'm also a supervisor and a manager, right? So I have my own staff that reports to me, and I have at almost every organization I've worked at, and it's very different. 
than being in the HR role as opposed to being in the supervisor manager role. Because when you're in the supervisor manager role, you just want this problem fixed. You just want it fixed. And it's a huge issue. It's causing morale issues in the department. The productivity's down. People are complaining. You just want it fixed. And you want it fixed yesterday. Yep. Not tomorrow, not Mm -hmm. in 30 days after we go through a counseling process, not in two months when we reevaluate. Time is of the essence. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on HR professionals to get it done, deal with this, help this person deal with this problem, you know, fix it, fix it right now. And people need time to improve. It's not realistic, generally speaking, when you're dealing with a performance issue to expect that person to just fix it overnight. But that's why you need to speak up sooner than later, right? So it's like when individuals come to me and we were saying on one of our episodes, sometimes it's a little premature and nothing has been put in place or sometimes it's way too late and there's a whole litany of things. And it's like, why wasn't I clued in a lot sooner? Because now you're frustrated and they still need time just based on process. Right. And I think it's human nature to some degree to procrastinate. I mean, you know, and we start out saying, oh, gosh, this person hasn't come to, she hasn't, she missed last week and she missed a day this week. Oh, she's probably just going something. Oh, just drop it. I'm overreacting. When really, it's probably more appropriate. The first time you get that, what is it, little gut feel going, ooh, ouch, what's going on here? I what I like to do, I'm not perfect at it. I don't even, I don't always follow the rules that I preach, but I like to say, is everything okay with you? I noticed you missed a day of work last week and you missed a day of work this week. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. It's all you need to say. Move Love on. It. It's all you need to say. Hot tip right there. Yep. Just check in. Write that one is down. Is everything okay? I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Micro connection with a purpose. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm watching. Yes. I love I'm watching. it. I care, I but I'm you. also watching. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all the person needs because keep in mind, right? My boss isn't saying anything to me. Everything must be fine. So that's the assumption that we often think that people have the same integrity or conscientiousness that we do. And that I've learned the hard way on that one. That hurts right. because you think that individuals, well, it's like they wouldn't do that. Yeah, they would. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the truth. Right. And then also we forget sometimes that just because, well, you you got policy manual when you were hired, you signed that you understood it. No, no. How many people have ever read their company's policy and procedure manual cover to cover? Probably nobody except HR people, right? I mean, no, you know, but, but, but that's the safety net that employers need to use, right? To, to, to limit exposure to the organization. But I, I remind people all the time, Refer them to the policy manual. Have them take a look at the attendance policy. Have them take a look at the performance manual. You know, just read through it. Just spend 10 minutes and read it. It'll give just a little snapshot of what to do. I'm thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, that's not a bad idea at the first of every year. Just refocus. Here's a little reminder for just some basic facts. Mm -hmm. Because it also provides benefits if there's a a new... um, bereavement policy. I think our organization made that a little bit more generous a year ago. And so then they would be aware. Right. And every in California um, is is one of several states that there are there are new employment laws in the state of California almost 
every single year. And if and if they're not, it's almost unusual. And then typically there's a minimum wage increase or something like that. But it's very, very common. And even though an employer will send out a notification announcing a new policy, I like I like to remind people that this is a resource for you. And if you have questions, um, go to go to your company's policy manual. It's not exciting right. at all, but there's <laughs> there's valuable information there. Okay, let's have some fun stories because I know you get the tea. All You've the seen tea. it all. You've seen yeah. it all. Um, you know, it's um lots of different stories. And I and I don't really want to focus on, I mean, I I, you know, there there are the scary stories. You know, you hear about the workplace violence stories, and um, you know, it's not just in the workplace, it's in the world we live in. Um, but yes, I've had situations where I've had discharged an employee. Um, there's probably, I, I was never seriously injured, um, that no. came across me with a lamp. There was a lamp on the desk and just came, came at me and threw the lamp at me. I was able to dodge out of the way, but, but I learned from that. And what I learned is that first of all, when you're letting someone go, it's always a good idea to have someone else present. Nice. Writing and that down right now. Don't have someone <laughs> else present or it's not feasible, then alert someone else a coworker or someone in your organization that you're going to have a difficult situation with someone and you need them to just hang around and be within earshot or something. And confidentiality is critically important, but safety trumps that. And we need to remember that as HR people, you Love know, it. it's kind of like, for instance, I will never, I mean, I shouldn't say never, I will rarely conduct a discharge meeting with a closed door. I will leave it cracked a little bit. I will put, reposition furniture in a room from a safety standpoint when I'm doing a discharge. So if you typically walk into a room and typically the way a room is organized, an office, for instance, you're gonna walk in, the desk is in front of you, right? right. The manager's sitting behind the desk and there's a chair or two between the desk and the door. And that's typically where the, the employee will sit down during a meeting. Well, if that employee is really upset, they are blocking an exit to the door. Wow. You've got to get through and around your desk, past them and a chair or two and out the door. I have, when I do a discharge like that, I ask the associate to sit behind the desk and I'm in the chair next to the door. Art. So yeah, little things like that. that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you it's live and learn, right? Yeah. 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 But I, another another situation I, re, I I recall it there are several. But just one that was a difficult one is um it was a a hospital that I worked at for many years ago in northern California and um our we a unionized environment and we had two two um of our labor unions that went on strike. So and I'm a member mm -hmm. of management so we're 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 you know we're crossing the strike. That was tough. That was tough. Oh. That was tough. Yelling, yeah. screaming our cars were all keyed. Oh, they were no. you know, slicing tires, wow. things like that. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. That's so that's yeah. rough because that was yeah. many years ago. That was yeah. many years ago. And these yeah. are people probably that you've, I mean, you of course you've been working with them, but there may have even been things you've counseled them through or yes. that you've helped them through. Yes. And now that's going down. Oh yeah, that would be hard. It's, that it's would be awkward. hard to recover from too. Like once it, they came back, that would it be is. hard. It's it's hard, but you have to remember too that you know, we each, we all have our convictions and, and a lot of these associates that are, that are striking, they don't really have a choice. They're not mm -hmm. making that decision. They might be voting, but it's, it's somewhat out of their hands and you can't, 
you know, it's personal, but you can't, it, it isn't personal. You know, they're, they're trying to protect their jobs and their livelihood too. So you, you kind of look at that saying, I've got to be, I've got to try to be understanding, even though what a mess my car door is, look what just happened to it. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't really ever want to know that. No, it's, but wow. it, it's really important as, as managers and leaders that we be mindful that when we're upset, we all deal with that in, in very different ways. And the hardest, I, I think maybe not the hardest, but for me as a human resource professional, I had to learn that someone's demeanor that I see every day is not necessarily going to be the way they're going to act when you're disciplining them for a performance management issue or letting them go. And we don't like to think that way, but we do need to be prepared that they may not react the way you've seen them react every single day that you've supervised them in, in a meeting, like a discharge meeting or in a situation where they're really upset and traumatized. Um, letting someone go is the most difficult thing a supervisor will ever do by far. And the second almost most, dis most difficult thing to do is delivering bad news and placing someone on a counseling form or a performance improvement plan or whatever your organization may call, may call that discipline process. Really difficult to do. I mean, just really, really difficult to do. So one never knows how an, an employee is going to react in a situation like that. And I think that from a safety standpoint, you just have to be prepared that what you, how you think they're going to react may not be how they're going to react. And you just need to be prepared for that. Well, I will be now sitting near the door. I know. <laughs> and just thinking about it. I mean, really you're, you're absolutely right. As much as you think, you know, someone when they're put in a situation with stress and trauma like that, you don't, you really no. don't know how they're going to react. That's so, I, I, I yeah. had never thought of it that way. No. They probably and don't know how they're going to react. Exactly. True. They don't know either. And I think, I think with a lot of associates, they don't know that they're going to react that way. They just know they're really upset, Yeah. you know, and you know, there's a real art to being able to deescalate people. Um, I'm not an expert on that at all. But I have found that reacting to their anger with anger does not help. Rarely does that help. Staying calm and being respectful, in my opinion, again, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not an expert, but I have had far better luck just trying to stay calm. And sometimes what you need to do is just get up and exit the meeting. That's that's a good, a good save, right? Keeping keeping everyone safe and just calling it. Mm -hmm. when it gets too, yeah, mm -hmm. intense or too, too rough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a good conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. You're welcome. You're, welcome. You're our very first guest. I am so honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> I set I the bar high. Am. This is my oh. first podcast. Oh <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We sent you to the wrong zoom room and then we couldn't get your, so, I mean, obviously we're <laughs> amateurs, so we are just so excited and hopefully you'll come back. We'well, think I of these love topics. To come back can be a return guest and you know we're gonna to have some back. other shared colleagues on but you're the first and no one else is scheduled so thank have to you keep you posted you are very welcome find us wherever you listen to podcasts and please visit our website for resources at theproject-biglove.com 
Be sure to like, share, rate, and leave a positive review. And if you don't have anything positive, no worries, you can skip that part. As always, questions and stories to share are welcome at theproject.biglove at gmail.com. Now for our legal disclaimer from Dr. Johnston. Best practice for change management is to be sure all parties are informed. Please be sure you discuss with your leaders or supervisors any ideas from our podcast today that you might like to use in your organization before implementing.